This is Cammie. And this is Madeline. And you're listening to the Communities That Convert podcast. Episode number 44. Survey says... You're going to love this episode. Let's kick it. Welcome to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza. In this podcast, you will learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. You will hear tips, ideas, and advice you can use right now on how to grow your own community and provide value that inspires them to take action. Are you ready to get started? This episode is brought to you by the Communities That Convert Facebook group. Come join us in our private group because it's the place where we continue the conversation from here. All you have to do is go to Facebook and look up Communities That Convert and look for the groups or you can go directly there at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Communities That Convert. And be sure to use our secret word, action. Yeah, action. So we thought that we would talk to you guys today about how to engage with your audience through a survey and poll to get community feedback and to get people talking. We do this all the time and it works great through our community platform. So we wanted to share with you our tips and tricks for doing this. Right, Madeline? Oh, yeah. We've got lots of experience with doing all these different types of surveys and polls. So we're going to look at how we're doing it on social media and how we do it through email using different survey tools. Yes, absolutely. And we actually broke this down by platform to make it a little bit easier. And I know that many of you have different platforms that you do more work on than others, but we thought we would run through some of our favorites for each of the platforms that we use for the most part. And of course, as always, we want to hear your feedback. And if we miss something that you think is really important, make sure that you Go to our Facebook group, which we'll talk about a little bit more at the end for communities that convert and share with us what your favorite tools are. So for Facebook, I'm going to start that off and kick it off. Engaging questions are really one of the easiest way to get community feedback. And I've done this over and over and over again. And I know that Madeline has too on Facebook. I don't ask questions like, where are you going for vacation this summer? Although those are good questions. But if I want to really engage with my audience, I'll ask really engaging questions like, what is the one thing that you want to learn this year? That was one that I did that went really well. And people would talk about all of the things that they wanted to learn. And some of them believe me, like somebody said neuropsychology. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be teaching that anytime soon. But it was really interesting, the conversations that we had around all the different things that people were interested in. So just a really good engaging question on your profile or wall works really well. Sometimes I just put that new backgrounds, you know, when you're typing up something on on Facebook, it suddenly gives you a bunch of idea, uh, different backgrounds that you can choose. I'll pick one of those and I'll just put a text only question. And it's amazing how many people respond to that. Facebook kind of likes those right now because they want to see a lot of engagement. So they serve it up in a lot of people's um, feed. So that's a really great way to get some feedback, right? Do you use those oh, sometimes yeah. too, right? I do. And actually I did one earlier this week. I, and it was kind of like part boredom, part curiosity. I got on Facebook and I said, what is your favorite emoji? Actually, I did it first on Twitter and had amazing response. So then I just decided to do it on Facebook. So I said, what is your favorite emoji? And I said, this is mine. And I did my favorite 
is the smiley face with the sunglasses. I just love that emoji. I use it all the time when I'm tweeting. I'll use it on Facebook as well. So what was fun about this is very engaging. Who doesn't want to share their favorite emoji? I want to share. I'm going to share. What's your favorite? (laughs) My favorite emoji is the winking emoji. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm this always is making a, f- a joke. So, you know, winking emojis are winky good winky. This is a fun way to, you know, <laughs> express yourself through a question. You know, you know, I'm asking like, you know, what's your favorite emoji? You get to kind of share. It's exciting. It's fun. Some people started talking it up and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I got like about 35 responses. Yeah. And that's great. And you see, so you don't have to have something super businessy like me. You can right. also do something fun. And that's great. But I also like to hear what people are talking about in their natural language, especially around anything that I'm doing currently, so that I can really get to understand what's going to resonate with people. I've used this method a lot to come up with ad copy or copy for a program we're offering or whatever. So I will find a lot of great ways to do that. The second one that I have here is polls in Facebook groups, because that's, I think, the only place you can have them right now is Facebook groups where you can ask people, you know, all kinds of questions like what date do they want to do something or what kind of thing are they interested in? The cool thing about polls on Facebook is people can add their own responses in as well. So they can kind of change the poll as you go along. So we use these a lot too, just to ask people how they use different things. I think we did one in our group recently about if people use Twitter or which platform they use for Twitter. And I think native Twitter won sort of by a landslide. In that yeah, one. we like to do these in the in the group. And one thing I will point out, though, Cami, is that you actually can do it on your personal profile. It's not just for groups. I think oh, okay, it, good. I think maybe it I was. I think originally it was uh, maybe just for groups, or we see it mostly in groups. You can actually do it on your on your profile, well, I but I like to use it in groups. I think it is great because we have our communities, we have groups, and it's a great way to pull them and get information that could be very valuable. I have this really fun group I started several months back is kind of an, almost everything I do is an experiment. And I just want to experiment with my own private Facebook group, the Madeline Sklar. And I called it the Madeline's private Facebook, like private secret club, or just, I was trying to be silly and different. And uh, I actually, what I did a few weeks ago, it was Memorial Day. It was a holiday weekend. And I put a, a poll out and I said, are you working on Memorial Day or are you taking time off? And that's kind of fun. Like people, you know, had fun with this and, and I put my choices in, but you can also have the option for people to put in their own choice as well, which is really cool. It's a great feature with Facebook polls because I wish Twitter did this. Twitter doesn't do this, but I, w- I love how Facebook does this because, you know, you might have something that I didn't think of. And so if I'm restricting it to three options, but yours is number four and it's not listed, you could list it on there. I think that's super cool. Yeah, it's super helpful. And um, the third one that we're going to talk about real quick is sort of one of my secrets. It's something that I do. It's not really a survey or really a poll, but I use it like it is A-B testing um, in Facebook ads. So sometimes I will run a number of ads with different kinds of copy and different kinds of photos. And I will test which one works the best based on what people might like or not like. So I want to find out what people respond to the best, like if they respond to this sentence or that sentence, you know, so if if that's the way it goes. So I may run an engaging question on my profiler wall, grab some things that people said, 
turn those things into an ad, not with their names or pictures on it or anything like that, just the, uh, the language and then run it as a Facebook ad, put a little bit of money behind it and run it so that I can see which one actually um, resonates the most with the audience that I'm trying to reach. So that's something that is not a direct survey, but it kind of is because you vote with your feet. You know, if you click on an ad or you interact with an ad, that's means you have some interest in that topic. So if I can get an idea of which way that you're going on that, whether you care about this way or that way, I think this is a really great way to do a what I call a de facto survey. I think it's such a great idea. I love it. Yeah. So that covers us for Facebook. Uh, let's move on to Twitter. Yeah. So Twitter is your jam. Yeah. You do these all the time. And you know, I think people just don't use Twitter polls enough. Yeah. I don't see it enough at all. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know if it's just people don't realize you can do it. I mean, really in the big picture, we don't see polls on this. I see it on Instagram more, but I, but we'll get to Instagram in a moment. I think we see it on Instagram because it's super simple and easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas with Facebook and Twitter, they give you so many choices. So maybe, maybe that's part of it is just, there's too many options, but I do like that Twitter does give us a lot of options on here. When we're doing a poll, when we, we can have our, it has a couple parts to it. So it has the tweet part and we still can do 280 characters in the tweet part of it. And then for the choice, we can have up to four choices. It defaults for two. So you could do a yes or no type of poll but you could actually expand on it and have four choices for people to do. And when you're putting the choice, each one of these can have up to 25 characters. So that gives you a lot to work with. 280 character tweet, you can have up to four choices for the responses that people choose. And that's 25 characters for each one. Now, there are some limitations. You cannot put an image into this. You cannot attach a GIF. But one thing I do like is that your poll, you've got a lot of diversity here with this. So when it comes to the length, you could have five minutes or all the way up to seven days. That's like mind blowing because it's like, wow, I could have this go for five minutes, which is a little short, I think, but up to seven days, Twitter, you know, tweets have a short shelf life. So I don't see too many people doing a seven day poll. Unless you pin it. But, I mean, you could probably pin well, it, that's, right? That's what I want to share. So I have this little trick. So first of all, yes, you could pin it. Now, usually our pen tweets is something that's not quite a poll, right? It's usually a promotion or something big we're doing or that we're working on, not a poll. So what I do is I call it my second pen tweet. So what I do is when I do a poll, And I've tested this over and over and it works. When you do a poll, you know, because the shelf life is short for a tweet, is that really you get about a good 30 minutes to an hour on a poll and then you lose people because your tweet is going to fall off, you know, off of Twitter because there's so many tweets going on. So what I do is I retweet my tweet. A lot of people are not doing this. And, you know, mm, we can retweet yeah. ourselves. It is a kind of and a newer okay to do. format. I guess it's not that new, but it, it feels new. It's new, it doesn't... but not too new. So it's been around for a while. But I guess some people telling me, Kimmy, that they don't like to retweet themselves. They think it's weird. But here's the thing. When you retweet yourself, it's not odd. It's not strange. All it's doing is taking your original tweet and pushing it to the top. That's all it's doing. So I call it the second pin tweet because what it's going to do is going to push it up right underneath your pin tweet. 
So when I do a poll, I put it out there. I'll usually wait a few hours and then I go and I retweet it. I just hit the retweet button. It puts it back up to the top, but technically under my pen tweet. And I will do this two or three times a day. But most of my polls are just for one day, but I'll do this a couple of times. And I tell you, Cammie, it gets me way more exposure, more engagement, more likes, more retweets, more everything. So I definitely recommend trying this. If you do a Twitter poll, try retweeting it periodically throughout the day. And uh, I think you'll get some really good results. Right. And you said something too, but people might be a little bit worried to vote on a poll, but nobody really knows what your, your answer is, right? Right. Because with Facebook, everyone sees your answer, but with mm-hmm. Twitter is private. And I like it on one hand, it's kind of nice that you can be anonymous, but on the other hand, it'd be kind of nice to know who's doing the answering, but whether you are putting the poll out yourself or you're participating in a poll, it's all completely anonymous. Absolutely. No one sees it. Not the creator, not the public participants, no one. So yeah, interesting. And Twitter, if you're listening, which, you know, we all know you are, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Twitter, if you're listening, please let us add a photo or a gift to this because it'll make it so much more interesting. Anyway, you could ask people what they think about it or, you know, hot or not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what's cool, though, is you can't yeah. do emojis. And so I actually yeah. try to incorporate emojis. And here's a little trick, too, because when you're doing your tweet, of course, in the tweet part, you can do an emoji. But in your choices, if you're going to do your two choices or three or four choices, you actually cannot put an emoji in there. So my little trick, you can, but you can't. What I do is I, I'll put the emoji in the tweet part where I can do the 280 characters mm-hmm. and yeah. copy it and paste it over into the choices. So uh, it's interesting. The emoji? That, it brings yeah, the emoji then? Yeah, I just yeah. copy and paste it over. Like it won't actually, you know, because when you're in the tweet part and you're composing a tweet, you got the little emoji symbol, you click yeah, on you, it. Yeah, but it doesn't have that available when you're doing your choices. But I just figure... You know, listen, when I have a roadblock, I will always find a way around it. And so that's how I found my my way around. I just go put it into the tweet, copy and paste it. And I usually just delete it back out because I just want to copy and paste it into the uh, choice, one of my choices. And I usually like to do one for each choice. Sometimes it's fun just to have an emoji only, no text, just an emoji like, you know, say what you want to say in the tweet. Hey, what's your mood today? And then put up four emojis and have fun. Yeah, because I mean, really, the whole purpose of it is to have fun when you're out there uh, interacting with people. So moving on from Twitter, which is a great thank you for all those tips. That was really, really helpful. Instagram is definitely on board for this kind of thing. Um, You definitely do not have the large amount of choices that we have in other places. I mean, you're not going to do a really good survey in Instagram or really any of the social media tools because you're not going to have a representative survey. So let's just start by saying that nothing we've talked about so far would hold up in a scientific manner. You know what I'm saying? So this is just for fun. This is also to learn about your community, to engage with your community and get a sense for what and who they are. So Instagram has a couple of things that we like to use. The first one is a poll sticker. And really, after you take a photo in your stories, this is only available in stories you then can push on the little sticker button and it will open up a whole bunch of options for you, including emojis and a bunch of other things. And inside of there, 
you will see a thing that says poll. And if you click on the poll, it will put a little yes, no in your right on the top of your photo. So then you can you can type another question or whatever you can ask people. You can put it over a video, whatever you can ask people. Do you like this or not? Yes or no. And people can say yes or no. Now, I think you can also can you change the choices, the words? I don't think so. Right. Change the words in the sticker. Yes and no, or does it have to be only yes or no? You can change the words. It, it, yes, that's what it, I thought. It doesn't, it's not just a, I mean, people do a lot of yes and no because you only have two choices and that's just very simple and easy, but you can actually change it out to say whatever you want. But I do right. want to mention, if you They're go short, back though. to episode 41, we oh, talked yes. all about these in greater detail in our, in our episode all about Instagram. Good job. I didn't want us to like not mention episode 41 because we had a lot of fun with that episode just yes. two episodes ago. That yep. was a lot of fun. Or actually, really I'm sorry, three episodes ago. But yeah, you can actually change it out and put what you want in that. I like the poll sticker, doing the poll uh, stickers because they're simple, they're easy, they're fun. People love to participate in them. You get the stats when you're actually in that story, you can tap and see and it'll show you who actually participated in it. Mm -hmm. uh, so this just goes back to if you want anonymous, you go to Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, they're never anonymous, you get to mm -mm. see who participates. And you know, for some people, that's, they like that some people don't. And then we also have the emoji slider sticker. That's a really interesting one. Have you played around with it? It's a lot of yeah, fun. I mean, it is because you can slide it up and you can ask people, how happy are you? You know, uh -huh. like, or you can ask them whatever and they, they'll, they'll slide that, you know, from basically the bottom all the way up and it's got a little emoji with hearts and its eyes yeah, and stuff. So cute. it's a cute little sticker. I mean, it's definitely not again, a scientific study or anything like that. These are really meant for engagement. And what you really want is for people to be engaging with your content. In fact, we actually had a really great talk at social media breakfast. It was actually today earlier with Mike Metzler about this very thing. And when he puts together content and his stories for Instagram, his goal is to have people do something like a call to action between each one. Like he'll say tap on this or do that. And so these little polls and emojis make that kind of easy to do this emoji slider. Super so, easy. Yeah. yeah. So definitely think about putting those in your stories for Instagram and work on that. So moving on from Instagram, I mean, in the end of the day, you know, if you do want to do a bigger kind of survey, you're going to need a more robust tool. And so, of course, the go to for most people is SurveyMonkey. SurveyMonkey is a great tool. I've been using it for years and years and years. We've used it for very serious studies as well as, you know, more loose ones, you know, where people are self-selected on on social media where we ask people to take a survey. But what I love about SurveyMonkey is you can do a lot of things like cross tabbing and so on. And it and if you want to do some of these things, you're going to have to pay a little bit, but it's not super expensive to use SurveyMonkey. So I love SurveyMonkey for more serious studies to get people really answering questions that are going to help you move your business forward. So that I like. So if you're going to do a survey, though, please keep it short. Five, six questions, 10 at max when it's real serious and people won't finish sometimes if you do that many. So you've got to make sure, especially in the swipe world that we live in, that whatever you do with the survey is very simple. And it, it almost is better to do more than one survey and break down the questions in different surveys with different audiences at different times. Another way that I also have done surveys a lot, and I just remembered this one is Google. Yes, so I use that will, one. Yeah. So we will use Google to really put together 
a survey. And that is really, really helpful. I especially do this when I know the people really well, but certainly Google, you start with a Google sheet and you ask some questions and you can turn it into a survey right from Google. And you just open up the thing, you have your your Google sheet, you then can add, you can turn it right into it. And I'm trying to remember exactly how to do it because, you know, I'm a very visual person. So I, I do these all the time, but I run my entire influencer community with Google Sheets and these kinds of forms. Google Forms is what I was trying to yeah, get to. Yeah, you go into Google Drive and like I mm-hmm. live on Google Drive. So I, I love yeah. doing my polls through Google because they're just so functional. They really, really are. And I've used them like as ways for people to subscribe to something. I've used it as for ways for people to apply for something like an influencer group because I run an influencer group called Texas Travel Talk. And that group is by application. So you can't get in it unless you've gone through an application process. So we use Google Forms for that. And I found them to be extremely flexible. So Google Forms are huge. Don't undermine them or, you know, they've gotten a lot prettier too in the last couple of years. You're able to add your own photos to them and make them a little bit more custom. So I really would recommend that you look at that as well. On this list, I also have ConvertKit. ConvertKit is the email program I use. And one of the cool things that it does, and I think Infusionsoft does this too, and Infusionsoft is a lot more expensive than ConvertKit. But what it does is you can ask people inside of ConvertKit a question. You could say, are you more like this, this, or this? And they have a link. And if you click on the link, it takes them, say, to a a specific piece of content that they can read that if they're a beginner entrepreneur, say, you click on the beginner and you go and you get into some information for beginner entrepreneurs that will help you get started. If you say, no, I have a business, but I still am not making as much money as I want. That could be the second link. And that would take you to another piece of content that's more for people that are already started up, but they need to take it to the next level. Or the third may say, you know, I'm rocking it in online sales, but, you know, I want to grow and I feel like I'm stuck here because I'm only one person. And you click on that and you're going to get more advanced things about, you know, growing your team and really starting to become more advanced. And what's cool about that is it puts you in different buckets in ConvertKit, like it tags you automatically. So when you click on those things, it'll put you in a special bucket and you're tagged and you're in a category. And what's great is then that provider, you, whoever it is, can then give those people exactly what they need for the level that they're at. So I do like ConvertKit. It's sort of almost a self-selected survey in a way, like I'm this, this, or this. Of course, me being who I'm in, who I am, I always want to know, well, what did they tell the guys that were beginners? What did they tell the medium guys? What did they tell the beginner? And um, you could end up in all the groups. But I do love looking at that and just using those kinds of tools in a a very different way than you might think of using them, if that makes sense. Yeah, Um, Pat Flynn's really big on doing that. So he's been doing, you know, he's big with ConvertKid. He's actually an advisor to the company. And he started doing exactly what you described several years ago. And he came up with this as a way to know what are his fans, his community, his subscribers, what can he do to really hone in on their needs? So to know like who is just starting as an entrepreneur. So he wants to send beginner content to them versus like what you're saying, maybe someone who's intermediate, someone who's advanced, like you can really hone in on what they're doing so you can better serve them. And I think that is super cool. I don't, think a lot of people know that you can do this. I don't hear about this as often as I would think people I know a lot of people use ConvertKit now. 
So, yeah. And I would tell you all of the bigger names and those people are using this method. I mean, this is happening and you may have even participated in it and not even realized that you did. I participated in some, but I thought it would be more common than mm-hmm. it seems to be. But And there's also yeah. a reductive way of doing this too. So like, say you are doing a big promotion about podcasting, which we're about to do. Like, how do you want to become a podcaster? So you guys might hear from us on that. And you may get an email from me and Madeline and it'll say, you know, this stuff about podcasting. And I can actually add a little link saying, hey, I'm not interested in podcasting ever, ever. And if you click on that link, it'll take you out of any promotions for podcasting ever again. So there's some cool ways to not annoy your audience as well, which I think is an important part, you know, of how we have to look at it as marketers too. Like how can we deliver exactly what people need, not just what we hope that they need, right? (laughs) Um, It's very smart marketing for sure. Right. So another one that I like a lot and I think is really great is another one called Typeform. And Typeform, again, is not an email, although you can send them from an email and you can send them from all your social platforms, is a really cool survey platform. Have you seen this in use before? Oh, yeah. Typeform is really cool. You can always spot Typeform because it has a very specific look to it. I like it a lot. I've used it some I really prefer my, my Google Forms, but Typeform is awesome. It's very robust. Mm-hmm. It can do a lot of cool things. Yeah. So it'll lead you screen by screen through the questions. And it's very visual. You can put some really great visuals in it. It's really, really flexible. And it kind of leads people through a, a survey kind of environment. And people use it for all kinds of great things. You know, just putting people into a funnel. Again, all the things we talked about in ConvertKit, asking people, are you this or are you that? And then it kind of takes them down different paths through Typeform. So I do think Typeform is great. It's not that expensive to use. I think it's free with you know limited features. If you want all the robust features, I think you have to pay a little, but it is an absolutely great tool that is free to start. So you can play around with it and see if you like it. I do want to mention it is a little techy. Like if you want the simplest, easiest SurveyMonkey and Google Forms are for you. Like they're super Mm -hmm. simple, super easy. They're all free. Typeform, I've dug into it a bit and maybe it's because it's robust. It, it was a little techy. It's like, it's a little bit of work. It's not, it's not as simple as easy as you would think it is. No. And you have to lead people through a story. So you have to think of it right. as storyboard. Exactly. I would think of Typeform as storyboards. That's exactly it. Yeah. Right. So you have to think about where you're trying to get them at the end. It's a very funnel driven thinking process. So if you're good with funnels, this is a really good form. Typeform is good for you. It's very much about a story. So you can't, I mean, if people are going to keep clicking to the next screen, there has to be a reason for them to like, wow. Like like for this one, you've got to really map out how like the flow you want to send them through. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have two others that are kind of the same. I can't tell you that I've used both of them. I've used one of them and it's been a while since I've used it, but one is called Apester, A-P-E-S-T-E-R. And Apester is an, a really interesting tool, similar to Typeform in some ways. But you know those like those surveys of what kind of phone do you need, or what kind of Disney princess are you, or whatever. Yes, um, yes. Those types of things. Apester can do that. The, okay. It can actually create those. Now it will give you a free account. So if you're a creator and you're not using it for business purposes, like you're not trying to sell something at the end of it, I think that they're all free. And that's also PlayBuzz is another one that's very, very similar. A lot of big companies use PlayBuzz. 
P-L-A-Y-B-U-Z-Z. And they're a little bit more tuned in to the money part. So you may want to check into these two. So anyway, I think that, you know, if you take a look at some of these tools, you're going to find that you have some great things in your pocket. And uh, I don't know. I think that's pretty much it. You Do you want to talk about what our call to action is for everyone today? Yeah, yeah. We covered a lot in this episode. So our call to action is for you to pick one of these methods we discussed and interact with your community using a polar survey. I mean, we we listed all these out. We gave you lots of information. Pick one of them and, and try it out. Share the link to the poll in our Facebook group so we can all participate as well. So we're going to have a post up. We always put up a post that goes with each episode in our Facebook group. So that's where the conversation is. So come join us, be part of the conversation. Yeah, we really want to see you there and come and let us see your poll so we can all learn together. So that's it. We've run out of time. That's it for this episode. We'll, right, be back. Awesome. we'll be back next week with another one. So we'll yes, see you. We will. We'll see Every you again. Week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey, this is Madeline. And I want to let you know, you can connect with us on our website at communitiesthatconvert.com. You can get all the information in the show notes for this episode. And we also encourage you to visit us on our Twitter profiles. You can reach out to me at Madeline Sklar. That's spelled M-A-D-A-L-Y-N-S-K-L-A-R. And also to Cami. Her Twitter handle is at CamiChat, and that's spelled K-A-M-I-C-H-A-T. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza, where you learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. Stay in touch with Madeline and Cammie through their website at communitiesthatconvert.com. Music